entry in the Diary of Doom. I'm Dylan, and join me as we look back on the rich history of doom metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week, we'll have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or whatever shady podcast streaming app you want to use. And if you have a question, want to pitch something or whatever, you could fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. Dario Argento's opera, released in 1987, was my introduction to giallo films and the deeper cuts of Italian horror. While I had already been exposed to the mastery of Lucio Fulci's Zombie 2, or Zombie, however you want to look at it, and Argento's seminal film Suspiria, opera solidified the marriage of horrific visual imagery juxtaposed against ripping heavy metal and eerie synthesizers. Italian filmmakers have a unique approach to their horror movies, and one that I have been enjoying far more as I delve deeper into it. Lamberto Bava's Demons, Fulci's The New York Ripper, Michele Suave's Della Morte Della Mor, or uh, Cemetery Man as it's known otherwise, uh, Mario Bava's Black Sabbath. So it makes sense that Italian heavy metal embracing the bombast of the genre like a pro would eventually spawn bands that drew from the horror and macabre. In today's chapter of Diary Doom, we're speaking with a band who has been around for 35 years and just about to release their debut album. Uh, joining us is Eduardo Napoli, who has stepped up to play guitar in the uh, Italian classic Doom band, you might have to help me out here, Expiatoria? That will be Expiatoria, wonderful. I, so I did okay, so those... My... So yeah, <laughs> you did very well. Hello Dylan. Welcome aboard. So I guess my uh, my Italian course in college uh, helped out a little bit. Absolutely, I've heard worse. So be proud of yourself. Oh man, I shudder to think what uh, could have been worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Eduardo plays guitar in the band, and like I said, this band's been active for a very very long time, but just kind of getting around to doing something with it. Um, just for a little bit of the behind the scenes, um, previous guest of the show, uh, Enrico, um, who you may have heard a while back uh, on the podcast, reached out to me again and uh, said, you know, see if we'd be interested in doing something. And I was like, sure, you know, sounded interesting to me. And um, the band is kind of like a classic uh, vintage heavy metal band mixed in with like the creepy weirdness of like, Merciful Fae, and then you get the Doom stuff uh, from, you know, kind of like a candle mass sound and whatnot. You know, before we get into the band itself, like, you know, for you, like, what are, what are your earliest experiences with music? Did you have a musical upbringing or was it something that you kind of picked up on a little bit later on in life? Well, the thing is, um, I wasn't very keen on doing sports when I was little. Because, of course, I was very prone to get sick. So what other opportunity you have? So I spent most of my days playing guitar by myself because my dad plays the guitar and my mom was a singer. They've never done that for, for a career. They just had it as a, as a hobby. But since the very beginning, I found myself with a guitar in my hand or a piano in front of myself. And I always dreamt of 
having a rock band or a metal band because rock music uh, in the early 90s was having one of the best moments in our country and so there was so much interest on that and yeah so it's all started by that I started studying music and later on I found myself using computers because I was introduced to the first scoring programs so I could write music on the computer without having you know, all the knowledge about recording and, and stuff like that. And that's pretty much how everything started. I met Expiatoria in, like, four years ago, and I was contributing in a pub as a live audio engineer, and I met the band having a gig with a former lineup, and we just clicked in a fingersnap. We, we just became friends, we all gathered together uh, at the bass player's birthday party and after a week <laughs> we were just playing together and so that was the first moment we united but after a short split we joined back forces two years ago and that's where we are now, luckily. So like kind of going back to yourself, like you said in the 90s it was, you know, the Ita at least the um, the Italian uh, music scene was sort of like blowing up. I remember growing up in the 90s and there was, I, I kind of remember some of the exports. You know, I think like the big one in the United States was Eiffel 65. Like that one, that band was fucking huge here, like massive success. But like, when did you, uh, like what, like what kind of drew you to like rock and metal? Like, was it the 90s stuff or was it something, or was it stuff from like earlier? I clearly remember this day, I was eight years old and I was waiting for my mom with my dad in the car because she went shopping and I've all, I just kept listening to Queen when I was six, I had um, a lot of stuff coming from Albano and then my dad says, look, let's listen to this and he just put the, the, the cassette of Back in Black by ACDC and that man just blew up my mind. That's how everything started. I just kept listening to ACDC from that day. Just, oh, and then it all started with I made in the year after. I, I remember being like in a mall and I bought this um, compilation named Edward the Great. And that was mind blowing. But I think the most remarkable moment is when uh, I crossed my path with Judas Priest's Angel of Retribution in 2005. That album just changed my mind in a very, in a very deep way. Everything that I was listening to just matters as the starting point, but everything was just another thing, and that's how everything started. I remember like ACDC, they always played at my high school dances, which I always thought was like kind of weird, but I don't know, it, it's just kind of funny, but I remember like Similarly, when I listened to Iron Maiden the first time, I was just like, oh, this is so much better. <laughs> this is cool. Yeah, yeah, like, I get that. likes this. <laughs> so ACDC's Back in Black, like sort of like your landmark album. That's Did you ever find yourself uh, coming across an album that kind of made you start to think um, like a little bit more like differently about like rock and, and metal and heavy music? Like, did you find something where you're like, oh, wow, this is like, super heavy there's like a whole other side to this you know oh yes there were two records actually that uh made me think about like you said the first one was uh nymphetamine by credible filth that was mind-blowing back in the days 
because I was a teenager and you know Danny Phil's looks and the fact that this goth music mixed with black metal was just bonkers back in the time. But the true the true masterpiece of that era to me was Dimbo Borges' uh, Death Cult Armageddon. That was just too much for a teenager, but at the same time, I remember, I remember uh, we obviously couldn't afford the, the CDs, and then we had these compilations coming from magazines, and I had to trash the, the label from the CD. I had to write a fake name, because my parents would just get angry because they were listening to the devil's music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know that... Uh... I know the Roman Catholicism and your Roman Catholic. I'm assuming, you know, I, I have another friend and she's Italian and she made a. She had joined the Church of uh, the Satanic Temple. That's what it was, and uh, you know, it didn't go over well with the with the Roman Catholic family. So I could only imagine that like your family was like, uh, absolutely not, no. <laughs> yeah, but once they understood that it's just cliche and you know, uh, just imagery, everything just went well. They embraced my love for metal music, and they now encourage me. So that is very very important to me. Well, that's good. Before you wound up joining the band. Were you involved in any other like bands or projects um, in and around the whatever scene you might have been part of? I think you said that you were actually you were working as like a sound technician, and that's kind of like what led you to this. Well, the thing is, I've I, my music career was kind of um, divided into several phases. Of course, when I was fifteen, I created my first band. You know, the classical cover band that you, you just create to dive into the world of live music. And we were 15 and we played in social clubs around the area. And we were called Autopsia, which is very positive. <laughs> and yeah, that's everything where, is that where everything started. Then I found myself trying to improve uh, my knowledge of the instrument, especially the guitar. And in the same time, I kept an eye on uh, audio production because I, I thought that studios here are very expensive and you don't really get exactly what you need because you have the vision in your mind. So I was very interested in investing my knowledge in that part. Then after that brief era, I found my proper unreleased band when I was 17 and that's where I met my best friend. And we just went on till I turned 19, I believe. Then I switched to crossover in the style of Order Slave. I played in a death metal band uh, from La Spezia. Uh, I've had a plentiful of options, and I even had a, a short, uh, a short moment of solo project when I was twenty, and before when I was sixteen. Because uh, it was, I admit, it was very difficult to work with me because I had a precise idea in my mind, and I didn't realize I was being a twat. Because <laughs> you sound very presumptuous without realizing it. But the truth is, once you find your dimension with people who share your, your own mindset, like now, you just go with the flow and everything just works wonderfully. So this different backgrounds allows allowed me to enlarge my views uh, talking about the guitar back in the days it was just just metal just classic rock but if you explore with the instrument you can enlarge your mind and you enjoy music more 
that's how I embrace music now. I just see it as a, like a, a introspective journey with your ideas. You can't explain your ideas with your voice, but as soon as you grab your guitar and you just start playing, everyone understands you, regardless of what language you're speaking. I think it goes to show like when, you know, you they have like interviews with guitar players like oh I actually like I'm really into like this and that because it helps you to like understand a certain aspect of crafting your art or whatever um you know like I was I mean I guess it's not surprising like I always say like oh you know I was like uh kind of surprised that like a lot of uh people who are into like stoner metal are also into like dub and I'm like well you know obviously like the pot but like the the groove the rhythm the repetition and like sort of how that like to actually like play a live dub sort of is like uh kind of interesting like in how they're like oh yeah i'm kind of just like doing this thing which is just they just loop it on a tape or whatever but i'm rambling um <laughs> but that's <laughs> cool i mean that's that's really that is one of the most beneficial things i think about you know i don't play music but i listen to a ton of music and i really do try to keep it like across the spectrum you know and so like I'll have I just have like a big playlist that I always add to and you know it'll be like oh death metal stoner metal black metal and then all of a sudden like a pop song or like a like a like a weird dub song or just like 80s synthesizer or something like that I dig 80s synthesizers <laughs> yeah um I, yeah well you know they definitely show up a bit on the uh on the album so before uh and we get further into the band you know like you know, you're talking about like uh, all different kinds of music and Italy obviously has had a very long history associated and, you know, like at the risk of coming off a bit offensive, it makes sense to me that Italy Im would embrace heavy metal because I think your culture welcomes that sort of grandiose dramatic flair that metal and rock offer, you know, it's just like a lot of the famous Italian paintings, just like, you know, I remember being at a museum one time with my mom and I was like, I really like this one. And she's like, of course you do. It's dramatic, just like yourself. <laughs> you know, yeah. Taking a little dig at me. But that, you know, that said, I still don't have the deepest knowledge of Italian, you know, metal bands having addressed like some of the more well-known ones in my previous chat with Enrico, you know, obviously like Lacuna Coil, there's Flesh God Apocalypse, Death SS brought up, I think, they might have like the most people in a band ever like it's crazy how many people have been in and out of that band uh Ufa Mammoth, if we're talking doom nice to see that they're back dunwich who i i should check out they sound pretty interesting they apparently laid a lot of groundwork for symphonic metal rhapsody of fire necro death so like you know do you have any thoughts about the italian metal scene of course well the good thing about the italian scene is that it's now waking up First of all, we have an extensive list of very talented bands. Just think about what we did in the 80s. We had the so-called sacred, uh, sacred triad of thrash metal, Italian thrash metal. We had Necrodeath, we had Bulldozer from Milan, and then we have Schizo from Sicilia. Lovely bands. Speaking of nowadays, I've seen loads of talents because, of course, I contribute as a in the pop. And for example, I've seen a band called Hell Crush, which is mind blowing. Very talented guys. They play very well. Also, I've listened to Stramonia. They're from the same town I live, and they they were absolutely amazing band. Um, Amphria as well from Milan. They play a very strange mix of black metal with 
um, drone atmospheres, very, very good band. And, you know, whenever you go, every region you visit, you can get a very interesting band. The thing is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote something coming back from the 80s, when the early times of Italian metal just gave, uh, came to life. Back in the days, our um, audio engineers were very skilled in pop music, and they were, those were the years of um, Little Tony or whatsoever. We had uh, The Pooh, uh, loads of Italian bands who were produced by the same label like RCF or whatsoever. So they had precise standards where all the audio engineers were absolutely great in producing that kind of music. But they had no skills to produce heavy metal. So most of the Italian metalhead listeners were just disgusted by the quality of what they were listening to. Because it was not the band's fault. It was the lack of knowledge. But if you listen to the Italian bands of that time, like Vanexa, Phil Di Ferro, um, Strano Ficina, and you just think of the background, of the ideas of the music itself, it had nothing different, nothing less compared to the British, uh, British market or the US. We were not just ready for that. But nowadays, all those bands from that era are seeing a new spring, are seeing new fans and youngsters listening to those old bands and finally recognizing the true potential of those bands. Wow, that's really cool. That's like, I had no, uh, no con, like, knowledge of that it's really interesting i was just uh black rainbows i think is another one from italy that i really like so well that's cool and i imagine like that's kind of what led to this band uh coming back and kind of having a moment to like actually put some you know real music down on a on a record so like how did this band come together like back in the day i mean considering it's been active since 1987 which actually is also the same year that uh the movie opera was released it's not like, you know, the band hasn't been around. Uh, it's just, like, crazy that the first album is coming out. I know there's been, like, a couple of EPs, but this is, like, the first solid release of, like, new material. Yeah, well, uh, let's just say that the main factor in this kind of difficult story for the band is misfortune, first of all. First of all... The guys were very young and most of them had to go to military service. Someone in the early 90s got injured, they couldn't play anymore. Uh, sometimes they were crossing with people, with members who didn't share the same mindset and objectives. So that led a l to the band to have a sort of fragmentation. So as soon as they could reach... Um, like a sort of arrangement with the lineup and with ideas, they will just record an EP. And that's just a momentum, uh, a, like a portrait of a, a situation. It's just, it, I would say it's like having um, five different bands. Like, yeah, I know the records are uh, signed under the same name, Expiatoria, but Expiatoria from 1987 is not the same of the 90s. Everything just was different. And I think that what led this album to be possible nowadays is just that probably everyone in the band just stopped thinking as a band and we just gathered together following our instincts and we just decided that it was very important to commit 
to change some strategies and find a new way to, you know, conceive music. Like, back in the days, it was, I think it was more like a showcase of mostly skills and the darkest moods ever mixed together. In this situation, we have decided it was more about the emotion and what was right in that moment. Not because it was the most complicated riff that we had to record. And that's pretty much how Shadows was born. Just instinct and six people, six friends all together having a nice time. That's how it should work. And as soon we realized that, we soon we understood that it was possible. I imagine that like a part of it too is, you know, you've been doing it for a little while, so everybody's like, you know, you don't you're not like there to prove anything to anybody. Like when you're young and you're trying to, you know, make a name for yourself, like so is everybody else, which can kind of lead to like friction and bands and butting heads and like I wanna do this, but that's not how I wanna do it. I'm not interested, blah, 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 whatever. So now it's like, you know, you're you're a little bit jaded, you're a little bit older, you're like, no, I want to, you know, I, I know how to like interact with people and these are people that you creatively vibe with and you get to work on something that's like, oh, we get to like keep this thing alive after all these years. Yeah, and a fun fact, I want to, I want to, I want to quote Bluetooth because it's very fun. The, in 31 years that I've been in this strange world, I met Massimo in 2018 as I said and he's the first guitar player that I don't need to be explained the riff or vice versa we just connect virtually with a mind bluetooth and as soon as he and he, as soon as he thinks of a riff I have the complementary part ready just in a glance and the, it's also the opposite way this is what makes a connection possible it's just not only because you're good at playing and you're a good individual, it's just because there is a, a common language spoken. What does the, the name of the band mean, actually? Like, what does it translate to? So, uh, actually, it's a Latin word. It can be considered an adjective or a neutral noun, regardless, because both the words can be read in the same way. It means about the um, execration of your sins. So it's like uh, something related to the world of sin, because back in the days, the, the, the band was very prone to, to explain those um, concepts of evil and sin. No wonder why one of the Evergreens is called Evocation <laughs> from the 1990s. But yeah, I think it pretty much sums up what the philosophy back in the years was and what is now. If you think about music, our music is just a way for us to explain our way to be sinners somehow. Because mm -hmm. in the end, nobody is perfect and our inner dark side has to be translated, has to be kind of exasperated in a biblical way. So that's why the moniker fits this description in a good way, in my opinion. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, the the whole, you know, obviously, like, from, like, you know, like, an like a thematic and, like, from a writing perspective, all of, like, the concept in, in and around sin is, like, very interesting. But, you know, it does kind of make me 
always laugh that like people had to come up with this like weird explanation for like basically like why why they shouldn't be horny yeah it's it's like if you get a boner it's the devil or whatever you know (laughs) at work yesterday we were talking about if you're right if you're right-handed or left-handed and how it's so silly that like you used to get beaten with a ruler if you were oh of course well, it's of, luckily it doesn't happen anymore, but by my uncles were forced to change their hand because it was considered the devil's hand. So, whatever. <laughs> so now you, you know, you, you've probably touched on it a little bit, but like the fact that, you know, you were like a fan of this band before and now you're like in it, you know, what like, like what's that? gotta feel like what does that feel like for you like was it weird at first or was it like oh this is like this just makes sense well uh, i must be honest i've never thought about this but i'm trying to recall what it felt uh, the first day we decided to join forces and well i would say it was absolutely bonkers because i didn't think the guys would show so much trust so much interest in what was happening that moment i just thought they would be like a abnormal jump session, uh, just a, a thing of the moment. Yeah, I I, re- I later realized that I was lucky because I said, okay, now I'm part of a band that I really like, which makes wow, which is <laughs> incredible. But after some weeks, I was told that even though I was the last in line to join forces with the band, and even though I was a fan mainly. I was totally entitled to have my opinion in an equal way, regardless of how quick I was uh, in the band. So, yeah, that was absolutely wonderful. And I really, I really remember that day with loads of happiness. I mean, that, that fucking rules. Something I, I you know, I, you mentioned I think is interesting is, um, you know, you said the band that existed in the 80s and then the iteration in the 90s and now uh kind of jumped around moved moved around or evolved in terms of like the sound and i mean my only you know knowledge of the band is the this record you know it's very much like i said vintage metal like merciful fate with the doom like from mm-hmm. Little mass and whatnot like when you were working on this debut album what was it like putting it together and like were they trying to cat were they trying to do something where like we need to like make sure it sounds kind of like the old stuff or were they like no let's just try something fucking new and if you know you have something you want to bring to the table obviously like you know what do you have in mind like as a guitar player and whatnot well the good thing about the whole recording process is that of course it was frantic because we were having the covid situation and we were totally afraid that we would go into lockdown again so all the recording process just took place in like two weeks and we were really in a rush but a good thing is that we mm, we've been talking about the recordings a lot like before uh, the the whole the, the proper recording started so we had time to uh, talk about the kind of sounds we wanted uh, the kind of experimentation we fancied and the when usually when i work in an album regardless if it's my band or someone else's i try to depict what i get So no artifacts, no frills, no changes. Like, if your amp sounds that way, if your sound is the actual one, let's just 
value what we got. So what you're hearing right now uh, in shadows is the brainchild of a common effort where we decided to, you know, depict the band sound as it is. So you don't have uh, a wrong perspective. Like you listen something in the album, then you go to the gig and you listen something different. We tried to be consistent in this scenario. And of course, being in 2022, the process and the quality has obviously changed because, of course, 80s recordings were a thing because all the technologies were implemented. And when we thought about our sons and we choose our guitars, our amplifiers, we wanted something versatile that could sound modern but with the early 80s warmth and kind of vibe. So it's, it sounds modern and up-to-date, but somehow puts an eye back in that era, if, I, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's got a pretty great, spooky, gothic atmosphere to it. You know, obviously, I was talking about horror movies at the beginning of the episode and whatnot. Heavy metal has always found a place to exist within that realm. You know, there's so many fucking heavy metal songs just are about you know ghoulish creepy macabre shit you know obviously and there's a lot of appreciation for italian horror flicks in uh in, in the heavy metal scene you know so like in this episode is coming out just before halloween uh i think like are you a horror movie fan like do you like the are you a fan of the italian horror movies to be honest i'm not a big fan of movies in general I know, you know, the basic, you know, um, I've heard of Piavati, for example, Dario Argento, of course, everyone watched The Exorcist back in the days, it was the first horror movie, or whatsoever, The Enigmas, Soul, and whatsoever, but my vision of horror is slightly different from the usual um, depiction. Like, my vision of horror is the exasperation of what we witness every day. Let's say arguments at work or personal drama or nightmares. And when I, the, the few times I wrote some lyrics or I gave some ideas or when I write riffs, I try to depict whatever I experience in life in a horror key. And I, I've seen that it turns out it could be spookier than any possible splattered thing. Because fear comes from your mind. It doesn't have to be um, graphic or it doesn't have to be about the so-called um, cliches about horror. You can be horror talking about going to the mall and seeing the lights flickering and seeing someone with a very strange stare uh, chasing you, for example. And maybe you were just trying to explain that you had an argument on the line because the car in front of you just didn't want to give your place back on the till. <laughs> I, I imagine there's a lot of, like, songs out there that, you know, might be, like, a little bit hard to, you know, pick away at like what it's about from like a listener but the person right is probably just like oh yeah that's about like some shithead manager i work with that just, yeah. like, hovers over people and just like berates them like in a horrible horrible way so yeah i i that's interesting you know it's like there's there is 
you know, like, uh, I think that's the thing about horrors. It's always meant to be like representative of something else. Like it's always meant to be like, uh, a metaphor for some aspect of real life. And, you know, the good ones do a good job of like conveying that. So, so that's, that's pretty interesting. I mean, for me personally though, like I have, I do feel lucky this year, like that I get to see, um, Claudio Simonetti's version of Goblin. And I saw Fabio Fritzi who did a lot of Fulci stuff earlier in the year. So I'm, I feel very, uh, I feel very lucky that I get to see that. So, um, yeah, I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about with the album? Is there anything else we should know about it? Like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, cause it is, like I said, it's kind of a big fucking deal. Well, I must say that um, personally, I'm very happy of this album because um, it was a very, uh, very simple workflow. And I really like the fact that I had the total trust of the band's members and there was no problem, actually. And I remember then we all gathered here in my house to perform the final mix and mastering session. And the guys did such a wonderful job that I just applied the settings from the first take session and I just copied it over all the other songs and everything just sounded perfect as it was. So this album didn't require a lot of work actually because everyone in the band did an amazing job. And well, yeah, I think this album, in spite of being produced in a rush and we were very, very stressed about, as I told you about the COVID thing, just came out very well. Maybe if we want to, to say something very frank, if we had more time, you know, for exploring or for, for more experimentation, maybe it, it could have came out in another way, in another another flavor maybe the production could have been different but we just sensed it then that it was just how it was meant to be and yeah i'm very very satisfied and everyone in the band creek flux enrico janja massimo and also the three shadows have just made this album very possible and very wonderful i would say well that that's really awesome that's a pretty amazing story and uh, that's really cool that you were all able to come together and put this thing out beyond the new album uh shadows out are you working on anything else uh is there future plans for the band well yes we have several projects i'm going of course as soon as we released uh as soon as we released the ddp master for shadows we immediately started composing new tunes which is part of our daily deal we just <laughs> i swear to god uh, everyone in the band just comes up with an idea every time we gather together in the, in the practice room and this is just wonderful this is just bunkers and of course we're we're planning a pretty much intense uh, live gig activity uh, of course we want to promote the album in the in the make in the beginning we will start with italy but luckily in the future we might also see what happens outside our lovely country, uh, which is kind of something we're looking forward. And for now, we got two gigs. Uh, we have one in November, the 5th in January, uh, together with the Impero de Ombre, which is going to be a very nice situation. And then we will go to uh, around Vicenza, I guess. And that would be uh, November the 26th. And same scenario, uh, same bands, and we will see how it goes up there in the east. Because <laughs> it's totally different from here. 
there's no sea, but the people there are just amazing. So we're looking forward to that. And, well, we're just open to see what the future just shows us. We'll try to keep it up as much as we can. And, well, it's just about rock and roll in the end. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, rock and roll, have you been listening to anything lately that you've been really enjoying, whether it's new or old or what have you? Oh, yes, I was absolutely, I fell in love, actually, with Ghost's new album, Impera. That is absolutely one of the most remarkable masterpieces of our era. I think the band really nailed it, because they were able to mix melody with dark moods and an outstanding audio production. That album has all the qualities to just flow easily into your ears, and you don't want to really skip any single song. That's an absolutely good album. And is the new single by Bulldozer. The new single by Bulldozer, The Heretic, is just amazing. A very good song. Uh, a very nice song. I, told, I actually had a chance to speak to Andy Panigada, the, the, the guitar player, when we met in uh, Metal Italia Festival. It was like a month ago. And... Uh, yeah, we talked about this song, and yeah, uh, we both shared the conviction that that song is exactly in the style of the band. It's catchy, it's loud, and it fits every metalhead's taste. And yeah, the band is in a very good shape, I would say. I'm, I think this is the same band. They're playing at uh, St. Vitus Bar by me in uh, a few weeks in November. I guess so, just, I'm not sure, but I strongly believe there are no many bulldozer bands in the world, so we might, we might be sure that we, we're talking about the same band, so if it's the case, I really recommend you to enjoy the band, because it's amazing. I'll, maybe I'll go, I'll see if uh, maybe I can get out that night. Let's see, what have I been listening to? It's been a little while, so I've got a bit of a long list. I'm breaking this up, <laughs> I'll probably touch on some more in the next one. Um, the new album by the band White Hills Rules uh, it's called The Revenge of Heads on Fire really good um, new Clutch album is out uh, Sunrise on Slaughter Beach um, pretty short Clutch album all things considered but pretty good uh, Mortuous' album Upon Desolation excellent death metal uh, I was checking out this band I, I think I mentioned them a couple episodes ago or something Lochran they have these are the two albums they put out this year. Very droney soundscapes, like uh, pretty nihilistic, bleak music. Uh, listen to Innumerable Forms' new album. I listen to the new Mind Force, which is uh, some nice thrashy shit. There's a new Sumerlands album. Freedom Hawk, which is, you know, solid stoner rock. Uh, I've listened to this band from the 90s. It's like this electronic band called Chrisma. Listen to their album Chinese Restaurant. That was really good this like remix expansion album of uh by this uh drummer his name is uh, malcolm kato and uh he's incredible like very reggae and dub influenced and he did uh an album with this band called little barry it's called quatermass expansion so that's good uh checked out the new frail album skin and sorrow uh the new phobophilic it's pretty sick brutal death metal and uh, Al Cisneros put out a new single, new dub tracks, and lastly I checked out the album Point Blank by Nailbomb. Um, I don't know, I feel like maybe I listened to this before, but I'll say again, fucking incredible album. 
I also forgot an important quote, a band I totally fell in love, um, not because of the speed metal tradition, which is very much, um, very much uh, real, but they released uh, a ballad called In Deepest Black, and I'm talking about Evil Invaders from Belgium. This band nails it. For real. Anyway, I could you please later email all the bands you you mentioned because I want to uh, flood them in my playlist because I heard many interesting names and I think unreleased bands and new music needs to be heard and I will spread the word about them. Oh yeah, sure. I'll definitely uh, send you over all those that I uh, mentioned in there for you. No problem. Thank you so much. You know, is there anything else you want to promote or plug? For yourselves like anything you know where can people find you on the internet well first of all we decided to arrange a link tree link which will be link tree the slash expiatoria where we all list our links so mainly you can get our music on Bandcamp. so it's the main channel where you get to listen to our works and where you can do the pre-order because the album won't be out until november the 12th so you have time to pre-book your your order and we got a youtube channel we got facebook and yeah that's pretty much it we decided to have few channels where we will flood all the information you need and yeah if you find our music interesting and you find that i've not been too much of a boring guy during this interview just click on the link and enjoy what we have to say because in any case you will have the right background for your work or whether you're driving to your granny or whatsoever expiatoria is like a beer no matter how empty or full your life is there's always time for a pint <laughs> nice awesome well album is out november 12th go check it out um and give these give these dudes a listen they're a, a legacy band for sure uh reborn so thank you for joining us and that'll do it for this chapter of the diary thank you so much guys have a nice day
feel the face of the moon. When the 